Good morning, Foothills Church. How are we doing this morning? Let's go. Well, good morning. My name is Alex. I am one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of uh, being on staff and, and overseeing our student ministry. So I'm the student pastor. I get to work with middle school and high school students. And uh, going to be honest, this morning I'm excited to preach to some adults in the room. And so I, I love our students. They're the best students in the world. And uh, if you are a student, or if you are a parent of a student, I want to remind you that we're starting back our midweek services this Wednesday night. So every Wednesday night during the school year, we are going to be back in this building. We have a, a separate worship experience for our middle and high school students. And so we're really excited about that. I'm excited for this morning, though, and I'm really thankful and honored to be able to uh, preach today as we continue our series called Pray First. And the idea behind this series is no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what stress, no matter what decision you have to make, what we want you to do is we want you to make prayer your first response, not your last resort, right? And so we're, we're excited to continue this series. And um, as we as we bring up the topic of prayer, I want to be extremely transparent with you this morning, okay? Uh, I, I'm not speaking to you from a place of expertise on this subject. Uh, in fact, I'm probably speaking to you more from a place of weakness, more from a place of I want to grow, and that is my desire to grow in this area of my life. Uh, I'm not coming to you as an expert on prayer, but I can speak to you from my experience with prayer. And so if I'm totally honest with you today, um, prayer was something that I always struggled with and uh, sometimes still do. Uh, prayer can sometimes feel awkward and unnatural for me. Uh, how, many, how many people are, are introverts in the room? Any introverts? You guys are like slowly raising your hand. They don't say any words. If it was extroverts, they'd be like, over here, yeah. Like that was, that'd be extra. So for somebody that's introverted, as well as an internal processor, sometimes prayer can feel unnatural, right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Um, but what I can tell you, is that in seasons of my life, the seasons of my life where I was closest to God, I was praying first. In times of my life where I knew that God's spirit was moving mine and I was aware of his overwhelming presence in my life, I was praying first. In times where I was just overwhelmed by the love of God and just felt so closely connected to him, I was praying First, also recognize that I'm a product of the prayers of so many people and, and so are you. And so that's why it's important for us to do a series like this one. It's important for us to have a series like Pray First because as I prepared for this message and wrestled with the realities of God's word and, and really the status of like where the American church is. And when I thought about the culture that we step into outside of the walls of this building, I came to this conclusion and I was overwhelmed by it. And it's this, that prayer is perhaps the most needed and yet most ignored spiritual discipline that we have. More than, more than studying our Bible, more than gathering here uh, with, in the fellowship of believers on Sunday mornings, more than giving your tithe back to God's church, I believe 
Unfortunately, that prayer is perhaps the most needed, vitally important practice that we can have as a li- in the life of a believer, and yet it is underutilized by so many people who follow Jesus. That's a sad, unfortunate reality, but I believe that it's true. And last week, Pastor Trent said this, that most Christians would agree that I should spend time with God, right? We would all agree like, yes, I should pray. That's something that I should do. It's pretty clear in scripture, like I should pray. But what I wanna get you to, what I wanna help you realize is I wanna move you from that place to a place where you believe I must pray. I must spend time in the presence of God. And here's the difference between these two statements. I should pray suggests that you are being, you are being pushed by some sort of biblical obligation, right? Feel obligated to do so. I must pray means that you are being pulled into the presence of God in prayer. And that's a big difference. And we want you to understand that you must pray, not just that you should pray. And so here's my proposal this morning. What if there is more to prayer than obligation? What if there is a deeper purpose to prayer than simply to communicate with God? What if a powerful, passionate prayer life was not just an idea in your head, but it was an experience? Experience that you had with God every single day. I believe it can be. And so to this morning, what I want us to do is explore the question, okay, then how? That may be the question that you're asking yourself right now. You're like, yes, that's my desire. I know that I should pray and I have the desire to pray. But honestly, Alex, I don't know how. Maybe that's been your roadblock up to this point. The thing that's kept you from experiencing a, a, a powerful prayer life or, or enjoying prayer is that you just simply didn't know how. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at what is known to most of us as the Lord's Prayer. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. Many of us maybe have recited this before a, a football game with your teammates. You lock arms, you say the Lord's Prayer, then you go out, let's kill them. Like, uh, maybe that's... Maybe that's your experience with the Lord's Prayer, okay? But what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus himself prayed as an example to his his followers. And I want to look at that and let that teach us how to pray. That's my goal this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, while you're turning there, uh, you can actually find the Lord's Prayer in two different places in your Bible. You can find it first in Matthew chapter 6. This is right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, more than likely, Jesus was on some sort of uh, platform. He was teaching to masses of people, right? So they needed to be able to see him. And so he's kind of, it's more of a teaching setting. That's Matthew 6. And then in our text this morning, Luke chapter 11, again, Jesus presents the Lord's Prayer. He says the Lord's Prayer, but this one has a little bit different context. In this context, Jesus is in a conversation with his disciples. And in this conversation, we notice a few things that are significant to us that actually teach us how to pray. So Luke 11, starting in verse 1, we pick up in this conversation. 
It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this. And that's Luke 11. I'm going to go back to Matthew 6 for actual Lord's Prayer. Luke 11 gives a little bit of a summary of it. I want us to see the full thing. So Matthew chapter 6 says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love Jesus's method of teaching here in this moment. It's very different than ours. What we would do is we would give someone maybe a document or refer them to the Bible app and say, here is the step-by-step method or process to how you can have an effective prayer life. And we'd make an Instagram post about it and it would be great. But what Jesus does is very different. They approach him and they say, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And by them calling him Lord, they're really asking a question. They're like, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And he says, when you pray, say this. And then he prays. He prays. He doesn't give them a step-by-step method. He, they say, teach us to pray. And he starts praying. And so I think what he was teaching his disciples and I think what he's teaching you and I here today is that if you want to learn how to pray, start by praying. If you want to learn how to talk to Jesus, talk to Jesus. (laughs) If you want to learn how to pray, the best place for you to start is by praying. And so that's how I want us to start today. Um, Let me just pray for us very quickly and we'll dive in. Father, Lord, we have a simple request this morning. Teach us how to pray. We're ready to learn. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. God, open up our eyes to your word and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what I want to do for the next several minutes is to really break down the Lord's Prayer, and I want us to learn from it. That's my goal. I want it to inform your prayer life. I want it to inspire your prayer life because here's the deal. I believe that it will if you let it. I believe the Lord's prayer has so much power in it that it will actually impact your prayer life. It teaches us so much for two things primarily that the Lord's prayer teaches us. It teaches us first how to pray. How do we approach prayer? Where do we start? How to pray, but then two, what do we pray? What do we ask for? What does prayer actually look like? So we're going to look at those two things today. And I believe that we need Jesus to teach us how to pray because when we are left to our own devices, oftentimes we pray pretty poorly. (laughs) We pray wrong. Our prayers could be more effective. And so we need Jesus to teach us how to pray. And as we look to Jesus, as we study the Lord's prayer, we learn a few things that will hopefully jumpstart your prayer life. We learn a few things that will hopefully reignite some passion in your prayers. And if nothing else, they'll encourage you to pray or pray more or pray differently. And so the first thing that I want us to notice from this conversation around the Lord's Prayer is this, the disciples' approach to prayer. I want you to notice the disciples' approach to prayer. They approached him and they said, Lord, 
Teach us to pray. They weren't telling him, they were asking him because he was their Lord. Lord, will you please teach us to pray? See, the disciples approached Jesus with a question and then get this, they listened. Here's a, here's a good theological term for you. They asked Jesus to pray and then they shut up. We laugh at that, but I, I want to know how, how often do your prayers start with listening to God? How often do our prayers begin with just silence before God, trying to hear how he is speaking to us? That's what the disciples did. They asked him a question, and then they, ste they stepped back, and they shut their mouths, and they listened to what he had to say. You see, the Bible commands us to be a people who are quick to listen and slow to speak. But so many times we do not apply that to our prayer life. We come in, guns are blazing. God, I want you to do this. God, this is coming up, so I need your help. God, and we say amen, and then we're out. What if even when it comes to prayer, God is wanting you to become a person who is slow to speak and quick to listen? They started by listening, but they, I love their approach. They approached God with this sense of curiosity, didn't they? They're just asking questions. And I love this idea because curiosity in itself requires humility. It requires you to go and say, I don't know it all. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm asking questions. I don't have it all figured out. And isn't that what prayer is about? We go to a God that we believe does have it all figured out that is in control, and we say, God, I'm not in control. I don't have it all figured out. I need you. I need your help. Prayer for us is an opportunity to place yourself in a position of humility before a holy God. It's an opportunity for us to place ourselves in a position of humility before a holy God. And that's why our posture in prayer is so important right? The posture of our hearts, but even sometimes our physical posture, right? Like we don't approach prayer with this, like, like, like coming on the offense, like coming to attack, like, God, we, you did this. Why did you do this? Like, we, we don't do that, but we also don't, don't approach him in this like defensive attitude. Like we are the victim. Like, God, I can't believe you let this happen. God, I, that, that's not how we were designed to approach prayer. That's not the posture of our heart that we should have. That's not the physical posture that we should have. We don't, we don't take on a position of, of offense or defense. What we do is we take on this position of surrender. Now, I don't know about you guys, if you're like trained martial artists, but like, what can I do from this position? <laughs> Not much. Do I look like I'm ready to attack anything? No. Do I look like I'm ready to, to defend myself in any way? No. What I look like is I'm, I'm, I'm ready to surrender. Sometimes like people pray, I don't know if people actually still pray like this, but like on their knees, fingers crossed. This is a very vulnerable position, isn't it? To be on your knees, fingers crossed before a holy God saying, God, I need you. God, I'm approaching you because I don't have it all figured out. I need you. That's a very humble approach. That's the very approach that the disciples took when it came to Prayer, their approach is important and so is yours. Number two, I want us to see that prayer is assumed. 
If you were here last week, Pastor Trent kind of talked about this, right? He talked about how prayer is assumed and he was in Matthew 6, and, and, but we see it there. And we also see in Luke 11, the same phrase that's used when Jesus teaches on prayer. He says, when you pray, he doesn't say, if you pray, he doesn't say when you feel like praying, he says, when you pray for Jesus, prayer is assumed. And that makes total sense, right? Because when you think about this relationship we're supposed to have with God, really when you think about any of your relationships that you have in your life, close relationships, let's take the marriage relationship as an example, you assume that there is communication, you assume that there is intimacy, you assume that there is connection, and in fact, when any of those things are lacking, you assume that something's wrong, that something is off relationally. And prayer is no different. If you are a follower of Jesus, you should be a prayer like Jesus. Prayer is assumed. You should be someone who prays. Not only that, we need to know that how we address God matters. How we address God matters. Okay, now we're actually getting into the Lord's prayer. We're getting in, Jesus starts his prayer and he addresses God in this way. He says, our father in heaven, how would be your name? And so first he starts with our father. There's a relationship there, but not just any relationship. There is a close, intimate relationship that's built on love and trust and care like there is between a perfect loving father and a son. There's a relationship there. And this is, this is both profound and practical that Jesus taught this way. It's profound because it was kind of game-changing during that time. Like the Jews, although they did see God as their father, they didn't primarily see him as their father. They talked about Father Abraham. They talked about all the prophets. But to say that God was your father meant something deeper. And for them, that scared them. And so for Jesus to almost revolutionize the way that we pray to say, no, you address him as your father because you have access to him just like a son has access to his dad. It's huge. There's a relationship there. And then he says, our father in heaven. This in heaven, that phrase is important because we see the position of the father. Where is the father? He is in heaven, which means he has a different perspective than we do. He has a different perspective on what's going on in your life and the lives around you. He has a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. And so prayer for us is an opportunity to talk to a God who has a different perspective and let his perspective actually change ours. This is our father in heaven. And then this phrase is key. It says, hallowed or hallowed be your name. In other words, yes, we have access to God like a son does to a father, but let's not forget that he is set apart, that he is holy, that he, that he deserves this awe and this reverence that we should be praying with a fresh sense of wonder about who God is in our life. Hallowed be your name. That is how Jesus addressed God and how we address God matters. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. Uh, he says this, what, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So let me ask you, as I get up here and I teach and I talk about God and, and Jesus 
As you hear those names come up, what comes to your mind? What do you think about when you hear God or Jesus? Tozer says that's the most important thing about who you are, is who you believe God to be. And so when it comes to prayer, I, I also would agree, I think the first thing that comes out of your lips when we address God is very important as well. You see, in so many ways, prayer actually reveals our theology. And when I say theology, all I'm talking about is what we believe about God, what we know to be true of God, our view of God. That's your theology. How do you view God? And so what I'm, what I'm saying is that prayer oftentimes reveals how we view God. If you want to know how someone views God, what they believe about God, listen to how they pray. Hey, maybe you need to know what you really believe about God. Evaluate your own prayer life. What do you pray about? Because prayer reveals our theology. Maybe you're someone who just asks God for things constantly. God, give me this. God, do this. God, would you please this? And maybe... Maybe, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but perhaps that means that you, you view God as some cosmic genie in a bottle who exists for you instead of the other way around. Maybe, maybe your prayers are very formal. <laughs> they're very formal and not like, a, oh, I, I, I have this awe and respect God, but they're, they're very formal. Like, who talks like that? Anybody know anybody like that? Like, I've never heard them use that word. What, what is that? Maybe your prayers are very formal and, and perhaps... That's because you have some fear of disappointing God. Maybe you don't pray or you don't pray often. And maybe that means that you don't actually believe in God, but maybe that means that you don't believe that God cares enough to listen, that he's not kind. Maybe you pray small, faithless prayers because you're scared of disappointment. You see how oftentimes our prayers actually reveal what we believe about God. Prayer reveals your theology, but if you find yourself on that list, I wanna encourage you, I don't wanna just bash you, I've found myself on that list plenty of times. If you found yourself on that list, my encouragement for you is this, keep praying. Keep praying. Because yes, our prayers reveal our theology, but I also believe this, that prayer reforms our theology. That as we pray, something begins to happen. As we pray, our view of God begins to shift and it begins to change and it begins to be altered. As we pray, our view of God begins to change. And taking uh, King, I want to take King David as a, as a great example of this. King David wrote many of the chapters in the book of Psalms that are in your Bible. And uh, many of those he wrote as songs, okay, that are meant to be like sung and played with instruments. But, but so many of them, as you read them, you're like, man, this was a prayer. Man, this was a, a prayer of David that he put some instruments to. Like this was him calling out to God. And I want to look at one of his prayers in Psalm 22. Before I do that, though, a uh, little side note here. Uh, I think if you struggle to pray, if you need a little jump start, one of the best things you can do is pray God's word. So, so pick a chapter in Psalms, read it, pray it back to God. You can't go wrong. That was a side note. That was for free. Uh, you're welcome. Little, little uh, hack for you. So, uh, but Psalm 22, 
I want to take David as an example here. This is a classic story of how it started versus how it's going. You ever see those posts, how it started, how it's going? This is a classic example of that. Psalm 22, David starts verse one and two. He opens up this Psalm. You, you probably recognize this. This is quoted by Jesus on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Has anybody ever prayed a prayer that sounded something like that? That was like, God, where are you? God, I don't feel you right now. I don't feel like you're close to me. God, what are you, what are you doing? I don't feel like you're working. Like, God, I just feel lost right now. God, what is going on? I think if we were honest, we've all prayed prayers that sounded something like that. But I want you to see how David's tone changes later in the same chapter. He starts it like this in verses one and two, skip down 20 verses. And he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All the offspring of Jacob, glorify his name and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. What a change that was from verse one to verse 22. God, why have you forsaken me? You are far from me. You are far from saving me. God, where are you? To now, God has heard the cries of the afflicted. And I will tell my brothers, I will tell all the congregation what he has done. Do you see the, do you see the change in that? The change in his tone, the change in his language? That's because as David was praying, his view of God began to shift. God is far from me to like, no, no, no. God has heard my prayer. He is listening and he is near to me. He has heard the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hated or despised us. He loves me. Prayer reforms our theology. Listen, church, as we pray, our view of God begins to shift. As we approach God correctly, as we enter into his presence, he begins to transform our hearts and our minds and he changes our actions and our thoughts. And we can go from complaining to praising in the same prayer. We can go from doubt to sure belief in the same prayer. And essentially what happens is this. Four, prayer begins to align your heart to God's. Prayer begins to align your heart to God's. He talks about the kingdom. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught about the kingdom all the time. And so many people get confused because they think the kingdom is just helping us prioritize the things in our life. But the kingdom, Jesus' teaching about the kingdom is not about prioritizing our life. It's about aligning everything in our life under God's design, under the kingdom of God. Not I'll prioritize God and then everything else. No, no, no. It's everything else under the authority of God and his kingdom. God's kingdom is not so much about priorities as it is about alignment. It's about aligning our hearts with God's, our desire to God's, our will to God's. And prayer helps you do just that. 
Let me ask this, are there any, uh, any car buffs in the room? You got anybody that like just appreciates cars? You love working on cars. You, you love trying to fix cars. Uh, you, you love watching YouTube videos to, to do your best. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody is like the, I'm going to do your best. Like I'm going to watch a YouTube video, try it once, and I'm calling a guy. Anybody? Yeah. So when our car gets out of alignment, some pretty, some pretty bad things can happen, Right? When a, when a car gets out of alignment, uh, some pretty bad things can happen, but the scary part is it can sometimes be really subtle. When your car is out of alignment, sometimes at first it feels small. Like, ah, something just feels kind of off here. Something doesn't feel right here. But over time, if unrepaired, what happens is as you dr- are driving down the road, you begin to drift and start going in a direction that you never intended to go. When you are out of alignment, you begin to drift and and move in directions that you never intended to go. And the same is true in our life and the same is true in our prayers. When we get out of alignment with God, when we get out of alignment with his kingdom, what happens is it happens slowly. It happens slowly, but, but we begin to drift. And I don't know about you, but I, I think our culture has a really unique way and a tendency to really just disorient our hearts. Has anyone ever felt that? Like you, you come here on a Sunday, you, you praise God, you worship, you listen to good teaching, you're motivated. And so, in fact, you're so motivated that you wake up on Monday morning and you get in your word, you do your quiet time, you go to work and then boom, life hits you right in the teeth and you're working with people that don't love the Lord. You're scrolling past negative post after negative post after negative post on Facebook. You are, you are being tempted this way and that way. And next thing you know, Subtly, but over time, you are out of alignment with God and his kingdom. And you begin to drift. And you begin to start, you start going in a direction that you never intended your life to go. Prayer helps us get back in alignment with God and his kingdom. So we have to realign our hearts to God's. For some of us, I think that means that we have to stop praying about what we think God wants to do and start praying about what God actually wants to do. God, I know that you want me to have that promotion. I know you do. And he's like, no, I want you to quit your job. And you're like, wait, what? Stop praying about what you think God wants you to do and start praying about what God actually may want you to do. Say, God, what is it that you want me to do in this season? What is it that you want me to do in this situation? What decision do you want me to make? I want to align myself with your kingdom, not build my own. And Jesus is such a great example of this. In his deepest, darkest moment, he's about to be brutally murdered or tortured by the people that claim to have loved him and followed him. He says this in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's praying. He says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, God, make it happen. He says, nevertheless, this is the alignment piece. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's not my kingdom, God, it's yours. It's not what I want, God, it's what you want. So if this is what you need me to do, I'm in. I'm in. And as we align our hearts to God's, something begins to happen in us spiritually. Essentially what happens is is this, alignment determines what you ask for. 
Alignment determines what you ask for. See, see, there was an ask. Jesus wasn't just saying, God, you are holy, you are holy. He asked God for things. It's not a bad thing to ask God for things. We just need to see how alignment determines what you ask for. This is what Jesus asked for. He said, give us this day our daily bread. He was very present. He was not worried or anxious about tomorrow. He said, give me what I need today, God. And he said, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And while Jesus was without sin, this is a great model for us that as we pray, and as we recognize who God is before us, we recognize who we are before him and we have to ask for forgiveness. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, help us to live for you. Jesus made an ask. But for many of us, my worry and my fear is that we don't pray prayers quite like this. Our prayers look a little bit different. Our prayers, many of us have prayers that have what, what John Tyson calls, he's a pastor in New York City. Many of us have disordered prayers. Disordered prayers. When you think about various disorders, like when we think about like physical disorders, you think about things like, uh, like, like eating disorders, Right? Like, like anorexia or, or bulimia, what happens is that person develops a disordered view of food. They begin to view food in an unhealthy way and it drives so much of, of their life and who they are. And next thing you know, they're going in a direction that they never intended to be. Their idea of food, their view of food is disordered. It is out of order. Something's off there. If you think about uh, a sleeping disorder or a sleep-wake disorder like, like uh, insomnia or sleep apnea or uh, narcolepsy, when you think about those disorders, the problem is their sleep is not in order. They are awake when they're trying to sleep. They are asleep when they're trying to stay awake. It's disordered. My fear is that so many of us have praying disorders. It's not that we're not praying at all. It's that maybe our prayers are just a little bit out of order, but it's affecting these huge areas of our life. This is what a disordered prayer looks like. My provision, my forgiveness, my protection. That's what we pray about first. And then that begins to change the way we view the Father's name, the Father's kingdom, and the Father's will. It's not healthy. It's not how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed in a way and modeled for us a healthy prayer. He said, Father, it's about the Father's name, the Father's kingdom, the Father's will, and then my forgiveness, my provision, my protection. There's an order to these things. There's an order in which we should approach God. There's a way in which we should address God, and that is the correct order. Jesus prayed, our Father in heaven, how will be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, deliver us from temptation, deliver us from the evil one. That's the order Jesus prayed. And that's the order of our life. Father's name, Father's kingdom, Father's will, then my provision, my protection, my forgiveness. The problem is that disordered prayers 
often lead to a shallow prayer life. Has anyone ever, ever prayed and just felt like your prayers weren't really going anywhere? Like, like, like you were lifting up, calling out to God, and it was like your prayer bounced off the ceiling and hit you back between the eyes. Or as you were praying, it got lost somewhere up in the atmosphere and never made its way to God's listening ear. And, and so your, your prayers are just shallow. You just feel like they're not very deep. You feel like you're missing something. Shallow prayer starts with ourselves. It's seeking our best interests first. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. I want to illustrate this for you in a way, and you're probably going to want to get this picture out of your mind in about 30 seconds, okay? Imagine with me for a second, picture in your head, a grown man, we'll say mid-40s, Grown man, mid-40s, with pool floaties on his arms. Or parents in the room, a swaddle jumper, all right? Well, not swaddle, what is it? That's not what it's called, puddle jumper. You guys know the little things with, the, with the, little, the little neck roll, yeah? Grown man, wearing pool floaties, splashing around in a foot and a half of water in the shallow end of a pool. Quickly picture that, now get it out of your head, all right. It looks ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems silly. And yet my fear is that so many of us, our prayers are shallow. We're splashing in the shallow end of a pool when what God desires for us is something deeper. It's something more. You see, the deep end of the pool is better. You don't, grown man shouldn't need the floaties in the shallow end of the pool, you can explore so much more. And so my fear is that so many of us are splashing around in the shallow end of the pool when it comes to prayer and we're missing out on the depths of who God is and the depths of, of who he wants you to become and how he wants prayer to help you get there. Listen, I don't know about you, but I am grateful. I'm grateful for the prayers that God has not answered in my life. Anybody else would just say, I'm thankful for some of the prayers that I prayed when I was 17 and immature about, oh God, help me marry this person. Like, thank you God for not answering that prayer. So many prayers in my life that I'm like, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. Thank you for knowing better than me. But I'm also thankful that despite my childish prayers, he still invites me into the deep end. He still invites me into a relationship with him where I can know him. Know him on, in the depths of who he is. So as we begin to adopt this and we begin to change how we approach prayer, and as we address God correctly and, and enter into his presence correctly, as we begin to align our lives to the kingdom and who God wants us to be, it changes what we ask for. It changes the ask. So I wanna ask you a question as we close today. This question has challenged me in so many ways and I wanna, I wanna present it to you and ask you if God answered every single prayer that you prayed this past week, 
what would have happened? If God had said yes to every single prayer that you prayed this past week, what would happen? Would it be a bunch of things for you? Would you look better? Would you get the promotion? Would your family be back together? I'm not saying these things are bad to pray for, but, but let me turn it around. How many people would be going to heaven because you prayed for it? How many lives outside of your own or your own home would be changed if God said yes to every prayer you prayed this last week? I can't answer that for you. I can only answer for myself. I can't, I don't know how you would answer that question. I don't know what would happen if God answered every prayer you prayed this past week with a yes. But here's what I know. When we begin to change the way we pray and when we pray like Jesus, you begin to see things like Jesus saw them. When we pray like Jesus, you begin to see people how he saw people. When we pray like Jesus, you begin to see your circumstance from his perspective. When you pray like Jesus, everything changes. The Bible says that right now, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so when we pray, what we get pulled into is the presence of God. When we pray like Jesus prayed. Changes everything. So right now, here's what I want us to do. I don't want us to just be people that talk about this that just listen from a seat, someone talking from a platform. I want us to be people who are about this. I want us to be people who practice this. And so we're gonna do that today, this morning in this room. We did this last week, but I wanna, I wanna invite uh, some, some specific people to come and pray today. Maybe, maybe you are, you've been praying to God for years for something to happen in your life. Maybe you've been praying for God to do something big for him to do a miracle in your life. Maybe you're, you've been praying for healing for your spouse or healing for yourself or healing for a friend. Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant and you haven't been able to. God hasn't blessed you with a child yet, but you've been begging God for two years for that to happen. Maybe that's you, whatever it is that you have going on, a marital need, a financial need. I don't know what it is, but I know someone who does. It's a father who loves you and cares about you and wants you to ask. And so I wanna invite everyone right now, just in this moment, if you have a need, if you know someone that has a need, come forward. Get on your knees. You can fill this space. We're gonna spend some time praying this morning. Fill this space, step into the aisles, whatever you need to do right now, go ahead and move. And then we're gonna pray. There's no doubt needs all over this room. Maybe no one knows about it, but you and God go to him. Maybe you've been praying for years with no answer. Maybe this is the prayer he wants to answer. I want us to practice what we just learned. I want us to practice this. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give about 30 seconds of silence so that we can approach God by listening, trying to hear from him. God, speak to us right now. And then I wanna pray over the needs in this room.
Oh God, you are our father who we can approach with the boldness of a son going to his dad. And God, you are good. God, your name is healer. God, your name is provider. You are the great physician. You are the prince of peace. And so, Father, we want to hear from you now, but God, we are approaching you, asking you to do some big things in our lives. We're asking you to meet our needs, the needs of today. Lord, give us our daily bread. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. And God, we are thankful that even the fact that we can come to you and address you as Father is a gift from you. And so God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the, the needs that may be in this room, the healing that needs to come to this room. God, I pray for the one who, who's seeking to have a child. God, I pray that they would be able to do so, that you would bless them with a the child. God, I pray for the ones that don't know how they're gonna financially provide for their family. God, would you provide in some supernatural way that they cannot explain other than to give you glory and credit. Father, there are so many needs in a room this size with this many people that need you. And God, I don't know what they are, but you do. And so God, would you meet your people here right now? Would they be so aware of your presence as we seek our best to align our hearts and our desires and our wills to yours? Father, we know that in your kingdom, there is not brokenness. In your kingdom, there, there is no need for healing. There's no pain. There's no tears. There's no sorrow. And so, Father, would you make this room as it is in heaven and take some of those things away? But, Father, we also recognize that you are holy and you are God and you are sovereign. And so we pray that it is, if it is not your will, that your will be done and not ours. And that you will supply the grace and the peace needed to every single person that may receive a no from you. But God, we're believing for a yes. God, we're asking you for a yes. God, I pray that there would be people in this room that are convicted and give their lives to Jesus this week. Pray for the mom or the dad or the husband or wife that has a, a child or a spouse that is far from you. God, would you bring them home? Would you heal the brokenness in us? Would you forgive the sin in us? God, would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Help us live for you, God. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.